Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Meg, welcome to the Hope New Podcast. We are so glad to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can you take a little bit and introduce us to your family? Yeah. So as you know, uh, my name is Meg Apperson and I'm, I'm married to my husband, Cody, and we have four children. They're 11 and six and five and one. So we're very, very busy and we have been home educating for a few years and we really enjoy that. And the reason I'm on this podcast, you know, is because I wrote a book mostly about my third child, Avery, who was born unexpectedly with some pretty significant birth defects. So since her birth about five and a half years ago, we've been on kind of a new journey of navigating having a medically fragile child and learning about advocating for special needs and and all that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we're, yeah, we're glad to have you here and learn more about your family and your journey. Yeah. You definitely have your hands full. For kids <laughs> yeah. homeschooling, yeah, we homeschool too, but I just have two, so um, it's a little different. Never tried to tackle four. What has your journey in special needs looked like? Can you give us a picture of that? Yeah, so we weren't sure before Avery was born exactly what we were going to be dealing with, and and when she was born, it became obvious very quickly that she was going to have a lot of challenges to overcome, and it looked initially like being physically disabled, you know, like she, she did not develop typically. And she has a, a trach, um, that is, that access her airway and a shunt and all kinds of things that were limiting, limiting her as far as her physical capacity. And so that's mainly what special needs has looked like for us. She doesn't have any, you know, cognitive deficits that we have to work around, but a lot of really challenging gross and fine motor limitations. And so for us, it's looked like a lot of therapy since she was a baby, you know, as soon as we were released to come out of the hospital with her, which we were, we lived there for most of her first year. We've done, you know, weekly physical therapy, play therapy, occupational therapy, speech and feeding therapy. And, and it's just looked like painfully slow, progress, sometimes one step forward, two steps back. And that it's just looked like a lot of intentionality that I didn't have to put into the development of my older children. And, you know, that really has changed my whole perspective on, on mothering in general, just with knowing more about how children develop and how that's changed the way I've mothered my youngest baby and So it looks like, you know, a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of therapy and, you know, some limitations on us as a family. You know, Avery can't go to school. Avery can't be in church, like Sunday school setting. So, you know, it's different. It's unique, but it has been a really surprisingly beautiful journey at the same time. Yeah, that's 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 a hard story. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet a familiar story. Hmm. You know, as, as I talk with parents of kids with special needs, yet so often many of us moms haven't heard it or been exposed to it until we're living it. And it can come as quite a shock and quite a, a hard time that we just don't even have any idea how to navigate. 
Yeah, that was definitely my experience. It was just a whole world that had never really crossed my mind. You know, I just wasn't aware of it. And so it was a very interesting learning curve for sure. Now, this week, your book, Sky Full of Stars, Learning to Surrender God's Perfect Plan, becomes available for our audience to order. Actually, tomorrow, I believe, is uh, one that's available. So congratulations. We're excited about that. Excited to be uh, interviewing about the book and learning more about the book. Can you share with us, why did you write this book? So it was not something that I set out to do, really. The opportunity tapped me on the shoulder and through a lot of people's encouragement, you know, that I just had to really follow other people's lead. So I had started a blog before my daughter, Avery, our third child was born. And it was really just, just for where a place I could post all the pictures I took of my children. So I started this blog and after Avery was born, I was updating the blog about her as a way to very efficiently communicate with friends and family. You know, it was a place where everybody could go. You didn't have to have a certain social media profile to be able to access the information. It wasn't just Facebook or Instagram, whatever it was. They could all go to the same website and get an update. And I was really shocked after Avery was born, people started sharing the story and the readership just exploded. You know, hundreds of thousands of people. I was just really blown away. And and I think Avery was a year old and my dad had mentioned to me, and it was something we joked about since I was a little girl, because I would write, I would write all the time as a as a child. I had notebooks full of stories. And and after I'd been blogging for about a year, he had said, you know, have you thought about writing a book, like taking all of this and turning it into a book? And I was like, mm, no, not really. <laughs> I don't really have the time for that. That's not on my radar to turn this into something other than just blogging so people know what's going on. And the next day I got an email from a literary agent who had been following my blog and she asked the same question. Would you consider turning this into a book? And at that point, um, you know, I called my dad, like, you'll never believe what happened. And he said, this is really a sign. I think the Lord is trying to tell you something. And so I responded to the agent, um, who's my agent today. And I said, you know, I am really intimidated by the thought of that, but I'll consider it. And so we hopped on a call and she had, you know, all this experience and I had never even heard, like, how do you write a book proposal? And so it took me probably two, it took me about three years to finish the book proposal. I just hadn't lived the content that I needed to write to make it a really comprehensive book. And I just didn't really have the time either. So slowly I would add and and sometimes I would think I was writing a self-help book and then I would realize, oh my goodness, who do I think I am that I could tell people how to walk this well when I'm struggling myself. And so I finally came after you know years of working on this to the idea that I just was going to tell my story and how God used that was up to him and who he allowed to read it, you know, and and how people applied the story to their lives was going to be you know, user specific. So I last year finished the, well, I guess, yeah, last year finished the proposal and wrote the book in about four or five months. And, and it's, it's here now. So it, it was not something that I had planned on happening. It was just people really, you know, my agent is so long suffering. <laughs> you know, <she> really <laughs> the support, the encouragement of like, yes, you can, you can keep doing this. Yes, we've got it. And, and really knowing that people were expecting me to finish it 
really is what pushed me to write the book. I'm not sure I would have done this on my own, believing in myself. It was really that other people kind of like called that gifting out of me and then, and then just encouraged me on the way. And that, that is why we have this book. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that you listened to uh, God's tapping on your shoulders through, through the voice of your agent and also your dad. And uh sounds like it's been quite a uh, process in writing that. So now the title is beautiful. Can you share a little bit more about the significance of that? Yeah. So when I was newly pregnant with Avery, we did not know she was Avery and there was a song on the radio and there was a line in it about, you know, a sky full of stars and something just grabbed me about this song. It wasn't a particularly interesting song. It just felt like, oh, this song has to do with this baby. It was specific to this pregnancy. And I'd never, I mean, that sounds so, you know, ridiculous. Like, why would you have a song attached to the pregnancy? But it was just something that I knew there was a significance there. And then when I started writing this book, you know, it it was not in my, it was not on my radar for a while. And finally, I just had this memory of listening to the song while I was pregnant with her and, and thinking of the significance of, you know, I had been writing lines of, you know, what do you do when the horizon of your life goes dark? And so it was like picturing what had happened through Avery's birth. It just seemed like everything went black. You know, there was, I couldn't see where I was going. There was so much unknown and, and realizing that, you know, just like that line in the song, a sky full of stars, it was like the Lord had given us exactly what we needed, exactly where we needed to go when it was time, you know? So it was like, he lit the way very, very divinely, very specifically. And, you know, even in the darkness, um, you know, the unknown and the pain and the grief and the suffering, it was like, there was still, there was still goodness. He still performed miracles. He still was so good to us through other people and through how he sustained Avery. And so it just, I realized the significance of it was that darkness is not the end. And even, you know, in our natural world, when the sky gets dark, there's still, there's still the goodness of the stars. There's still light that's happening. So that was, that was kind of the thought process. That's yeah. I love that analogy. And, uh, I think I remember as I was reading through the book and tell me if I'm wrong, and I'll, I'll cut this part out, but I think I remember you saying that when it's the darkest, that's when the stars shine the brightest. Um, yeah. that phrase just really jumped out to me, especially as I read your story. And as I think about other parents on this journey, as you reflect back on your journey and as you wrote this book, how did God reveal himself throughout this time? Yeah. So sometimes it would be just, you know, directly, I feel like speaking to me about, you know, I would be struggling with something or feeling really angry or feeling really let down. And, and I would just feel like the Lord said, you know, you can be angry. You know, I'm not afraid of your anger. I'm not afraid of your grief. You know, I can handle all of this. And then other times it was, you know, really miraculously, you know, divinely orchestrated, meetings with a doctor or meetings with a person or somebody would just say something or, you know, we would be anticipating a negative result and we would get a good one and no one could explain how a good thing had happened here or how Avery had been able to do something that previously we thought she wasn't going to be able to. And, you know, I would say meeting Jesus in the valley of the shadow of death, which is what it feels like sometimes, you know, getting to know him in the midst of 
very serious suffering is a side to him that I'm not sure I could have learned any other way, you know, where I feel like that kind of darkness or valley or desert or whatever analogy you want to use is is really where he does his most intricate work of change and yet healing and growth. And I wish I could take away Avery's suffering, but I'm grateful for what the suffering, my suffering, you know, kind of alongside her, what it meant for me. Yeah. And that's so true for almost all of parents and kids with special needs. Like that journey is pretty universal. And one of the things at Hope Anew that we offer is an online workshop. And in that workshop, we help parents look at scripture and we together work through and talk through topics like why God, how can you be a good God um, and allow my child to go through this chronic grief, because we know what the grief process looks like, but what is chronic grief and what does that look like? Yeah. Being angry with God and other topics like that. Did you ever struggle with these in your journey? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. You know, why Avery? I mean, you know, there's a sense of, and this is just, you know, the really human side and, and goes against my theology, but I think it's okay to be really, really human in grief and to even be able to interact with God in a way, like he made us human. He knows all of our weaknesses, you know, that we're so inadequate. So being able to say like, why, you know, it, it almost feels like a betrayal that you would let my baby suffer, that you would watch her suffer, you know, and, and in times where it's really bad, you just can't imagine how any good would come of it. And you almost, not that I didn't care that good would come of it, but it was just, I was so focused on how much pain she was in, how much she was having to suffer that it really felt sometimes like, how, how could, how could this be worth any good that happens? How, you know, she's just, she's just so little. She doesn't, she doesn't deserve any of this, you know? So Definitely lots of whys. Why? How did this happen? You know, you're not alone in that. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, as you said, like in our humanness, we will ask those questions because we are finite. You know, we don't have the yeah. infinite, all knowing perspective of all time and all situations that God has and can lend to it. So, in our humanness and in our limited vision, you know, we're left with limits to our understanding. Yeah. So we ask those questions and we work through those questions. But in that process, we get to know more of who God is. What an incredible value that is. I remember one time just the realization of, you know, I believe myself to be merciful. You know, that what looks like mercy to me is to ease people's suffering. And I just had this revelation of like, I am not more merciful than God, which just, <laughs> you know, that idea was just like, oh my gosh, my idea of mercy is not his idea of mercy. And so to try to limit him in my human version of what mercy looks like will never work. And I will never be satisfied as long as I'm trying to make God do what I think he should be doing. That's an incredibly powerful insight. Yeah. We will return to our interview in just a moment. But first I want to ask you, who is your tribe? Do you have a group that gets it? Does your support group offer masterclasses from qualified professionals that you have access to at any time? Is it a positive, hope-filled, and encouraging group? We want to invite you to the Hope Anew online community. 
The goal is that together, we are building the most encouraging, real, hope-filled way for parents of children impacted by special needs and disability to engage with a group that gets it. You can have access to the community anywhere that you have your smartphone or computer. It's a private group, not hosted on Facebook, and you will find daily questions, monthly themes, regular master classes that you can access at any time in the resource library, and most importantly, you will have a Christ-centered group that gets it. A laugh together, cry together, pray together community that understands what you're going through without you having to explain a thing. A place where you can be real, be encouraged, and encourage others. You can join by going to hopeanew.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. At the beginning of the podcast, we say there is beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. What is the most important lesson that you've learned from these painful times? Wow, it would be so hard to boil that down to one thing. I would say... For me personally, it really is about the resilience that comes from suffering where you want to escape, you want it to stop, you want to get out and you can't. And so you just cling to God as tightly as you can. And that kind of unity with him is something I really wouldn't trade for the world. Just The idea that he sees it and he's there always was really something that I knew in my brain and had walked out in different times of my life, which you would read about in the book. But, um, you know, in, in that feeling of just utter helplessness, I couldn't ease her pain. I couldn't make anything go away. I couldn't force any healing or progress or anything. I literally just had to take my hands off everything, which was so hard for me, you know, to say, God, she's, she's yours. I have no control here and, and your will be done in her life. And I'm just going to be faithful in it. You know, really those are the things that I'm so grateful I get to take into the rest of my life and things that I get to use even now to support Avery. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Of course. The name of our organization is Hope Anew. And so, and you speak about hope in your book and focus on that a little bit as well. So on that topic, hope and specifically our hope in Christ is central to who we are as an organization. And you share a quote by Emily Dickinson that hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul. And I love that. Um, and that was especially meaningful to you. So can you share how that quote impacted you and how your view of hope changed through this journey? Yeah, I think the imagery of a bird, hope is a thing with feathers that suckers in the soul, you know, the lightness of hope being something that's above what's happening, that even though what feels very heavy in the circumstances where you need, you know, you need to access hope, hope is kind of something that, that you reach up and grab and it's lighter and it's in my imaging of it. My imagery is flickering. It's, it's sparkling. It's that silver lining is probably not the term for it, but it's just a beautiful freedom, you know, to say this is really hard and yet there's hope, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I never really thought about that in that way before, but that's very interesting. Our logo is a butterfly. Really? Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
And of course, we loved that because of the transformation that happens in our lives through this journey too, and the transformation yeah. that a butterfly goes through. And That's we've really been powerful. talking around that as well. Hmm. So I love that quote, even though butterflies don't have feathers, um, <laughs> it is that lightness and, and watching it, you know, perch yeah. in the soul. And yeah. yeah. Now, as you reflect back, was there any Bible verse that was extra comforting or was, or would you pull one out that you said, this is my go-to verse that I, I just meditate on when, when I'm really struggling? Yeah. So I quote this verse in my book. It's Isaiah 48, 10. Uh, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And what was so comforting to me about that verse was the idea that you know, God was in control of it, you know, that it wasn't, he was going to use it no matter what happened. It was part of his design. It was part of his plan, not just for me. I was not the only one being refined, but for everyone else. And so it just gave me this idea of like him as the one working and we were just submitting to him and letting him test us through the fire of affliction. That's powerful. That's what I powerful image. As we wrap up today, our conversation, what would you say to those parents who are struggling with this journey right now and hope is some far off place that seems impossible to reach? Yeah, I would say that it's really important to grieve and let grief be grief and let it take as long as it needs to, you know, don't get lost in comparative suffering Uh, which is something I think we all do in grief, which is, you know, it's definitely something I did, which was that, you know, I, yes, this was bad, but other people had it worse. And so I kind of discounted how much I needed to grieve, you know, at first. And, And I think it is really important to keep a perspective of, you know, I don't have the monopoly on pain. You know, this is not the only thing that's going wrong in the world. This is not the ultimate pain. But to me, it was very serious very serious pain, a lot of grief that I needed to work through. And so I think saying, you know, I don't have the monopoly on it, but it is serious. And I really do need to let it run its course. You know, don't make any serious decisions, you know, in that grief journey. For some people, it will be a year for some people to be two years. And, you know, that is specific to each of us. So I would say, take care of yourself and don't be ashamed of grieving and don't let anybody put a timeline on it for you or tell you how you need to. You know, I say, you know, in learning as my husband and I grieved alongside each other, it really became very obvious that we grieved totally differently, you know? And it was like, as, and I wanted to have a shared reality of grief that he would grieve the way I did so we could understand each other. But it was really like, as long as it's not illegal or immoral, people can grieve in the way they want to, you know? So for me, it looked like data. I needed information. And so I almost grieved through the gathering of information and, and he grieved through working outside, you know, and, you know, gardening or tearing up bushes. And at some points it was like, why don't you, I need you inside. Like I need you here. And I was trying to put my standard of grief on him when where he needed to be was doing whatever it was that helped him work through that process. So that's what I would say. And I would say those are very wise words to let each other grieve in your own way and in your own times. I've heard that from others too, where they're sad that they're not grieving at the same time or in the same way. I would say in Jonathan's in my journey, we found it so beneficial. We would hit 
times of deeper grief at different points in the journey. And that was so helpful to us because, well, we talked and kind of knew what was going on, but one of us could pick up the slack when the other one was kind of buried under that load of grief. And um, so we could give each other the allowance to grieve and the other one of us would pick it up. So it was actually really beneficial that we weren't grieving the same way at the same time. Yes. That's so powerful. Yes. That's great. Well, Meg, thanks so much for spending time with us here today and giving us just a glimpse into your life and just the encouragement that that is for all of us in our journeys. And we're excited about your book coming out tomorrow. And I encourage our listeners to go out and pick it up, uh, order it off of Amazon, I guess would probably be the easiest way to get it. And, uh, how else can our listeners follow you? Yeah, so I am mainly on Instagram. My username is Meg underscore Apperson. And that's kind of where I post our day-to-day life, you know, homeschooling and, you know, Avery's care and everything. And about my other children, it's not just about Avery. I have some real characters that I'm raising. And also on my blog, I still blog pretty regularly, fourfinelives.com. I'm not really on Facebook very much and I really don't have time for any of the other new (laughs) social media (laughs) things that are happening. So I'm just going to stick with my little corner of Instagram and blogging and and yeah, that's how people can find me and you can buy Sky Full of Stars anywhere you buy books. Very good. And we will have links to those in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. 